Well, choir, y'all have a good break. And uh, we will uh, look forward to we reunite in uh, after the summer. And, and thank you for leading us in the worship of God, um, which is, is drastically important for even the task that we'll be looking at today. Um, uh, did fail to introduce myself. Um, I'm uh, Drew Smith, the pastor here. Uh, for those of you who are with us, uh, joining us here who are visiting with us or those that are online. Um, and, and I, I wonder, in this season of uh, relinquishing of COVID restrictions, have you noticed the multiplication, the preponderance of, of groups and organizations that have started um, that simply are trying to help us have conversations with one another without rage? Have you noticed that? You know, this week, actually, there's this group uh, put together by USA Today and Microsoft and Walmart and a whole bunch of other folks that's called the National Week of Conversation. You know, let's just learn to have conversation uh, together. There's uh, another um, uh, group uh, called um, Hi from the Other Side. H-I, like Hello. High from the other side. And you can go Google that. There's uh, the Respect Project. The uh, Christian Science Monitor is putting that together. Um, and uh, uh, USA Today is doing one called just America Talks. And there's a, a, a TV show in Canada called Political Blind Date. That is uh, hugely popular and is about to be uh, um, uh, un- unrolled in ten other nations around the world, where they just get political folks that have politi- different political views, really politicians, and they just have them have a meal together and break bread with one another. Um, you know, and from a Christian perspective, that's a good thing to get together with another human created in the image of God to be able to talk, to converse. With one another, without anger and rage. Uh, for, so for us as followers of Jesus, these, all, none of these, except maybe the Christian Science Monitor, has some faith based to it and what they're doing. But others don't. But for us, that that that's right down our alley. That's what we want because we realize all human beings are created in the image of God. And again, like I said, they don't use um, that language. And I think part of the reason, and maybe you agree, maybe you've experienced it. Part of the reason that we're in this season is as the masks are coming off, literally, and we're getting back together face to face. We spent 18 months saying, don't get together face to face. Yeah, and, and we lost practice. I was sharing um, with uh, uh, Michael and Daryl uh, just this week. I'm like, you know, I've realized the last couple Sundays, I've had to regain some of my singing voice because we hadn't been singing together. You know, and I'm like, at middle of the second service, all of a sudden, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, my voice is going. I, I can't. And some of you are like, oh, praise the Lord. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I think that, that demonstrates, you know, that our capacity to have conversation has diminished because of what we were appropriately asked to do. Uh, but the way what that did, uh, I think another element of that, though, and we've talked about this, is that it, we also we got on, we did have conversations, but we the medium that we had conversations on is social media. And as we talked about before, social media is designed to create division. It's not designed to cause harmony. 
It's designed to, to get us in our little groups where we agree with one another. And in so doing, we, we, because it also highlights things that are incendiary. Because that keeps you on there. Get this. Understand this. If you hear nothing else, social media is here in order to keep you on it. There is no other ulterior motive. They're not about... If you're on a dating website, they're not there so that you will meet the love of your life. They're there so that you will continue to flick side to side. They are. They, social media is there not in order for everyone to be in harmony. They're there to keep you on. So whatever it takes, they do. Well, the algorithms of social media are what's incendiary. What makes you angry? Because you're going to click on it. You know, what, what, what acts, what teases your, your anger or what teases your libido? That's what, that's what it wants you to click on. That's what it's going to do. So we've been 18 months not only not getting together, but the way we've been getting together has been forming us and training us to only be with the people in our echo chambers that think like us so that then we look at the others that don't think like us and say they are evil. Not just that they're wrong, but that they're evil. And, and we then dehumanize one another. And this goes across the board. Don't come talk to me about politics being this side or that side is doing it. Give me a break. It's every side. That's what happens there. And, and we, as a church, are called to lead us out of that. To lead us to a place where we respect and honor one another. Where we live according to what we know the word says. That every human being is created in the image of God. I don't care what side of the spectrum they're on. Or what they've done. We are about the grace and mercy of Jesus. And that's what Paul is talking about in our passage today. He, you know, as we've been going through Romans, the one thing that he has harped on throughout and throughout, and these last couple, ver- last couple chapters, 9, 10, and 11, are all about the two groups that are in warring faction with one another in the church, in Rome, in the first century. The Jew and the Gentile. They do not understand one another. They have had very different experiences, very different social realities, very different histories. And yet now, in Jesus, they are coming together. And, and so Paul is going to give us here, he's going to give us some guidelines to say, well, how do you pursue harmony when you have these differences? Because as you remember, as we've, we've talked about this, or those that haven't um, been, been with us, you're just uh, cluing into this, um, the, the, the Jews are those that have been God's people. They, God chose them from Abraham on. To, to be the one that through that people, they're, they're going to be God's people in the way that they, they live. And they're, they're going to follow purity laws and dietary laws and ethical laws and moral codes. They're going to follow those ways. They're going to keep the Sabbath. They're not going to eat bacon. You know, and they're, they're, they're going to remain faithful to their spouse. Uh, th- those kind of things were radical in the first century. And that's what the Jews have been doing for years. And through them, God is going to bring a Savior. He's going to bring the Anointed One, the Messiah, who's going to come save and rescue the world. And, and they're going to do that through God's people, through Israel. Well, now Jesus has come. Jesus is the one who has come. And a lot of the Jews are stuck in their old ways. 
You know, they, they've had these traditions with God and, and, and God has been using them, doing just what God has told them. And God told them all along that he's going to in, include everybody. That this is going to explode on the scene so that anyone and everyone at any time can come to know God through faith in Jesus. And that's what has happened. And Jesus has completed those laws. They're, they're no longer applicable. You know, everybody and anybody can eat bacon whenever they want. And, and it makes no difference. And now anybody and everybody at any time and any place can, in the in simple act of faith and trust, can give their lives to Jesus and be right with God forever. Well, you can imagine how that is really hard for the Jews to understand. And so a lot of Jews didn't accept it in that day. A whole bunch of Gentiles were like running. They're like, really? We can be right with God. And the Gentiles are the non-Jews, everybody else. And they, they, they're new to the scene. They don't have theological heritage like, um, uh, the Jews do. They don't have these ethical norms like the Jews do either. I mean, they, they had, they were pagans. You know, they went to Zeus and Artemis temples and those kind of things where they had temple prostitution. You know, part of some of their religions were to have sex with people who weren't their spouses. And so you can imagine they are on different sides of the spectrum. Now they're coming together. And so God is, is saying through Paul, this, and, and the whole purpose of Romans is like Romans 15, what we say there, that we are to live in harmony with one another, in tune with Jesus Christ. That, that's what Paul is telling us here, and he's gonna, some of the principles, they will apply, they certainly apply in every way to us who are followers of Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus, but you're just jumping on board, I think there's some good principles here. They're just God's truth for God's creation that are worth hearing as well. Um, let's, uh, so what we'll, we'll do is we'll jump into the text here in Romans uh, chapter um, 11. We'll uh, start with uh, verse 13 and read um, a couple sections of that, and then I'll come back and we'll just unpack it a little bit. Let's... Uh, Let's pray together. Almighty God, thank you for your word. Thank you as it speaks to us. And now may your spirit free us to to hear from you and apply it. We know the the importance of this time and the charge that you give to us to to, to lead for us in the church and to lead in our our communities and everywhere to to, to truly uh, pursue your grace, your mercy, the harmony that you have for us. So teach us in this time. Change us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Alright. Romans 11 starting with verse 13. Now, I'm speaking to you Gentiles. Inasmuch then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. In order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. For if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant. Toward the branches. If you are, remember it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief. 
But you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? Now I'm going to jump down to verse 30. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience, So they too have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they also may now receive mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how unscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, so in terms of pursuing harmony in the church and in the world, what what do we learn? Well, the first thing I want you to see here is that that Paul speaks directly to the Gentiles here. There's times where he speaks to the Jews, to the Israelites. There's times that he speaks to the the Gentiles. There's times, and we saw it in the latter part of the uh, the book, where he he would speak to the weak or the strong. There were other groups as as well that he would speak to. The the weak were largely the Jews and the strong were the, the Gentiles. But he speaks to those groups specifically. And he does that throughout the letter. Uh, And there's a few things to notice with that. One is, generally, we tend, every hearer tends to relate well to the Gentiles. Because the Gentiles were the ones actually theologically who were right. And we tend to always think that we're right. So therefore, we relate well to the Gentiles. That's what I find, is that most people, 99.5%, think they're right. I do. I think I'm right. I'm not up here saying stuff I think's wrong. <laughs> I think I'm right. So, and I find that most of you do also. So we relate well to the Gentiles. So that's an easy thing to do. And so whatever the differences might be on politics, on college sports, on sexuality, on economics, or, you know, Cincinnati chili, whatever. We all think we're right. Well, and, and what we see here is that, uh, so we relate well to the Gentiles. All right, so the second thing that I want you to see is that Paul speaks to specific groups. There's sort of a notion going on today that we shouldn't have specific groups. We shouldn't talk about those things because they divide us. Some Christianize it and say, you know, we're one in Jesus. So all those things that are different, they should, we shouldn't even talk about those. Those are done. Only problem with that notion, it sort of makes sense when you think about it for some of us. 
For others, it doesn't. Particularly if you're the one that are being persecuted or you're the ones that are uh, being oppressed. Yeah, now we need to talk about it. And the other, other thing for us Christians is that's not biblical. That's not what Paul did. I mean, right here in the book of Romans, throughout the whole thing, he speaks to the Gentiles and he speaks to the Jews. And he addresses their historical social realities in those moments. So he speaks to them and what's going on in their lives for the purpose of bringing them together in Jesus. But he does not deny their realities. He does not deny their social realities nor their historical past and the impact that it has presently on them. He doesn't come together and say, you Jews and Gentiles, stop thinking like that. You're one in Jesus. Just forget all that stuff. To pursue harmony, we have to recognize and appreciate the differences that we have. We cannot be ethnically blind. We cannot be colorblind. We cannot be economically blind. We, we have to recognize those realities are real. It's exactly what Paul's doing here. So he, he's teaching that. This is a corrective to that notion that we just need to sweep these things in the past because they're the past. Sweep these things sociologically away because it's sociology, not theology. I, like I said, I'm all for being all about theology. The only problem is that's not what the Bible does. It's not what Paul does here. So we have to recognize that reality. And, and for if we're going to pursue harmony, then we've got to recognize our differences. We have to even appreciate those differences as we work towards harmony. That's what will bring harmony. And, and for us as Christians, this is part of our hope. The hope that we were singing about. Because we know that's what God's going to do. We, we know that's what he has accomplished in Jesus. He's destroyed all the dividing walls, as Paul says to the letter to Ephesus. And, and, he know, and we know from what John told us, from what he saw of the future, that there will be a day in the new heaven and new earth. People from every nation, tribe, and tongue will gather at the throne. Now, how did John know that there's people from every nation, tribe, and tongue unless he recognized their sociological, historical realities because it was obvious to him? No, the differences that we recognize and appreciate are the beauty of God's creative genius that, that he leads us to and that he has called the church to be that harmonious place of coming together for all kinds of people in the power and name of Jesus. So we, we see here uh, in the, the olive tree uh, illustration that, that Paul gives here. You know, it may, may have been sort of confusing uh, for you. I, I, I'm not really a gardener. don't understand grafting of certain trees, but I know that that, that happens. And that happened a lot in the first century. So he, he's, he's saying there's a root to this olive tree. And that root, I believe, is the, the grace of Jesus, the mercy of Jesus, the, the, the power of God. And the, the natural branches that he talks about on this olive tree are the, the Jews, is Israel, the, the God's chosen people from the Hebrew scriptures. And then he says, but some of them fall off because they, they don't believe. And then the new branches are grafted on. Wild olive branches are grafted on. And those are the Gentiles that he says are coming on. 
And, and, and he goes on through the rest of the, the passage to say, and one day that will be the picture of heaven. That there will be Jew and Gentile, which was the, the, the blatant diversity and division that Paul saw in the first century. Uh, Jew and Gentile will be gathered together in that this olive tree of heaven that Jesus will accomplish. That Jesus has accomplished. So we know that this is our eternal reality. To be one tree, wild shoots and natural shoots coming together, rooted in Christ. That is our eternal reality. So that's our hope. Anything we do in that direction, we know has eternal value. It has eternal meaning. The, the ways that we get caught up in that division not only is not of heaven, but it really makes the devil happy. Because if he, the devil can get us living according to, to deny the reality of every human being being created in the image of God, the devil's accomplished one of his purposes. To take the very thing that God said was very good and we turn it against one another. So, uh, for us, as we, we have to listen and develop trust with others. We have to get out of our echo chambers and, and listen not only to the people we agree with, but to the people we don't agree with. And refuse to dehumanize the other group. That's, that's the first step. All right, the second step that we see here is to pursue harmony. We've got to recognize that we are weak as human beings. We have to recognize that, 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 that the Gentiles, he tells the Gentiles, you've got to recognize now the, the Jews, they, they were characterized by unbelief. And then Paul tells the Gentiles, you've got to recognize as well, you are also, you're coming from unbelief. You're, you're, you, you were lost in your own ways until Jesus came on the scene and the Spirit has brought you to Him. And if you then use Gentiles, you break off as a people, then those branches are going to go off and the, the old, old branches are going to be brought back in. Recognize human weakness. And it's in, in verse 20 that, that Paul really hits that. We're at the end of verse 20. He says, so do not become proud, but fear. Now, that word fear there, you know, that's not go be scared. Go hunker down and be fearful in your, like your tornado uh, or a hurricane um, is is coming kind of fear. But a fear that is awe, marvel. Now, like what the writer of Proverbs said, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. You know, that, that we submit to the, the beauty and the majesty of God. That, that we are in awe and we marvel. That, so don't be proud, but fear. Marvel. God. Be humble. That's what he's calling our, our place, like Jesus. You know, again, we're, we're to be like Jesus if we're Jesus followers. And, and what does Paul tell us in Philippians? He says that Jesus is the one who humbled himself, taking on the form of a human, and humbled himself even to the cross. That's the one we follow. We follow Jesus who says, take up your cross and follow me. So uh, uh, this journey isn't an easy one, right? This journey of saying, well, how do I, that, that I, I, I need to understand and I, I need to um, uh, appreciate the differences that I have with folks. That's uh, not easy. Now you're saying I need to recognize my weaknesses and my humility. Yeah, that's what Paul uh, tells the Gentiles to do. It's what he tells us to do. And it's a way of following Jesus. Because it's that humility that, that leads us then to listening. 
and especially to, 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 to listening to, to one another for harmony. It takes humility, not, not pride, but humility to God and recognizing, again, our own weaknesses. One of the most amazing stories of that to me is a guy who has the same name as our assistant pastor, Daryl Davis. It's just he spells his name with one uh, uh, one consonant instead of two. You know, so one R instead of two, one L instead of two. Um, uh, Daryl Davis, his name. Go uh, um, Google him. Uh, look, look him. Look him up. There's a documentary about him. He's got a number of TED talks. African American male, um, a professional musician. He was born in Chicago to an American diplomat. And so he spent his childhood in international schools around the world. He says he went to, he didn't go to school, um, uh, uh, with just people from uh, different parts of his city. He went to people from different parts of the globe. You know, uh, nations of every inhabited continent were represented in his small elementary school classes because he was a son of a diplomat. So he just grew up thinking this is what the world looks like. You know, this is how we engage with one another. And so it was a fascinating experience. Um, and, and, and they had all kinds of people come and speak to the class. One day, you know, he was 10 years old at the time, they had a neo-Nazi come and speak to the class and teach what neo-Nazism taught in those uh, days. And this would have been in the uh, late 70s, early 80s. And what he taught was all people with black skin should go back to Africa. And, and then we, the people with white skin should stay in Europe and uh, other nations. Well, that's the first time he ever heard anything like that. And the whole class was in uproar. And he was like, I've got to find out more about this. And that, that became one of the defining experiences in his life. So eventually, as an adult, again, he's a black man. He started attending KKK rallies. Because he wanted to hear, he wanted to listen, he wanted to understand where these folks were coming from. Started to befriend some of the grand dragons. This is in Maryland. Got, went out to lunch with them. Even joined the KKK. In order to engage with them. I mean, that's not only understanding, appreciating differences. That's not only humility, that's courage. And because of those relationships, what Mr. Davis has done, he's has, he has four or five grand dragons, grand poobahs, whatever they call themselves, in the Ku Klux Klan, have recanted and rescinded their, their membership and what they believed. And he has had a part in the diminishing of the KKK in the state of Maryland. Now just one rather grand example of one who sought to pursue harmony through the ways of listening and humility. Now, a right understanding of our differences is necessary. A right understanding of our weakness is necessary. But first and foremost and all the rest, that what we've been singing about and focusing on today, what is absolutely necessary to pursue harmony, we must recognize God's kindness, God's mercy, God's wisdom and His complete authority over all creation. And we see that in what Paul, again, tells the Gentiles. 
First, we must pursue a harmony when we recognize God's kindness and mercy. Verses 22 through 24 in the passage, he just he tells the, uh, the, the Gentiles, he tells us, you're here because of God's Because of God's mercy. It's in Romans 2, um, uh, earlier in the, the, his letter. They says this is the kindness of God that leads to repentance. It's uh, James, the, uh, another writer of the New Testament, in his uh, letter, writes, It's mercy that triumphs over judgment. I mean, mercy means that you and I, we get what we don't deserve. Praise the Lord, there is no meritocracy with Jesus. Because what we should merit is judgment and distance from God in our sin and rebellion and selfishness. Praise the Lord that in Jesus it is mercy that leads us to be a part of God's kingdom. To be a part of God's people. It's mercy that brings me and you to be God's People. It's, it's mercy that brings all these characters that Paul's been talking about, that bring them to God. I mean, Abram, Abram, the, the grand grandfather of the faith of Israel, right? He was a coward, man. You know what he did with Pharaoh? He had his wife with him and he got with Pharaoh and he's like, hey, this is my sister. You can have her as part of your harem so, so that you'll be nice to me. And he, he didn't do that once. He did it twice. And he's the grandfather of the faith. It's not about Abram's righteousness. It is about his, God's mercy to Abram. You know, he, he, he talked about Jacob. Well, Jacob was a scoundrel, a liar, a deceiver. You know, stole, he deceived his own father, deceived um, uh, in order to, to get the birthright of his brother. I mean, th- this, is the, this is not a, the, a hall of fame of great righteousness. This is a hall of fame of God's mercy. And that's why you and I, even if we're a coward like Abraham, even if we're a deceiver and a liar and a scoundrel like Jacob, we are right with God. And, and if we bathe in God's mercy, if we bathe in God's kindness, if that becomes the formative power in our life, then no social media algorithm is going to have any power over us. Because we are bathed and formed by the mercy and kindness of God. I think God knew something when he focuses so much attention on mercy and kindness. I think he knew, man, that's what the world's going to need. Because the, the mercy of God begets mercy. And then finally, to pursue harmony, we must marvel at God's complete authority over creation. Did you hear that in that last, just that doxology of Paul at the end um, in verse 33 through 36? Let me just read it again. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Harkens back to Job, if you remember, the, in Job 38 through 40. At the end of the story, God... Starts to speak to Job. He says, Job, uh, were you there when I got everything started? Now, were, were you my counselor? Did you help me? Did you give me some wisdom and guidance on how to create life? How to put the stars in the sky, the earth on its axis? Were you there? 
Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? What have we given to Almighty God? Nothing. He's given us everything. Even the very faith that we have, which is the point of 9, 10, and 11. And so our place, if we want to pursue harmony, we've got to marvel at God's complete authority over all of creation. You know, and and I, I find one of the ways to do that is, 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 is to be in p- places of awe. I mean, just going by the Ohio River during flood stage. Yeah, that sort of like shakes your soul. A couple uh, weeks ago, I, I mentioned to you all, uh, I was uh, out with uh, um, uh, Hannah and Nate, two of my children, and we were in the desert in, in Utah for a week uh, backpacking and, and camping. We only saw five other people or six other people the entire time we were out there. And one thing that's out there, I mean, and there's all kinds of things that are marveling out there. There's the rocks and the colors and all the rest. But the night sky, absolutely engaging, is inspiring. Because there's no other light out there. And you know, I wake up, woke up in the middle of the night to, to, and poked out to look because the, the moon had gone down and just the Milky Way. It was, you could almost see it, you could almost touch it. But did you know that the Milky Way, the stars in the Milky Way are like 50,000 light years away. I, I can't even get my eyes around that. You know, and I'm, I'm looking at light. That, that means that light is 50,000 years old. You know, it took that long for it to get from its origin to, to my eye. And you know how long a light year is? Six trillion miles. So you can do the math. 50,000 times six trillion. That's how many miles. It is a way. And that's just the galaxy. And we're one of the smallest galaxies in the universe. And if what we say is true, and I believe it is, God is the creator, the majestic leader, the sovereign one over the entire creation, then that's the God that we serve. So you don't think God can work through his mercy and kindness through little old you and me to bring harmony to a people in Jesus? No matter how, I'm not denying the differences. The differences are real. We don't deny them. We recognize them. We appreciate them. They're real. But is our faith and trust in God, our overwhelming abundance, marinating in the love of God, greater than our differences here on earth? Are they? Let's act like it. Let's pursue it. Let's make every act towards His harmony. That, that's the, the wisdom that He's giving us right here. Man, it, the, the first thing you gotta do, the first thing is go bathe in the mercy of God. Go out to the desert. Look at the Milky Way. Go down to the river at flood stage. I don't know what, what it is for you. What song you need to go listen to? What symphony just absolutely puts you in another place where you marvel at God's beauty? That, that's why Paul ends there. You're not going to be able just to do it because you're a nice person. Some of you are really nice people. And I really appreciate that. And I learn from you and grow from you. But you're not going to be able to do it. It's only by God's power. It's only by God's mercy. It's only by God's kindness. It's only by the marveling at God's work.
So as we re-enter into the world, as we relearn how to do conversations with the world and one another, first and foremost, man, we've got to marvel at God's beauty and majesty, His complete authority. Fear nothing but God. No fear of anyone else. Humility, let's have humility towards ourselves and towards others. Receiving, recognizing, and appreciating our differences. So, so that we can have a, an influence in our community, in our family, in our workplace, in our school, on the playground, even online. And in the church especially, let us pursue the harmony that Jesus has Satisfied that Jesus has caused to form at the cross and will one day be before his throne forever. Amen.